Today we are wrapping up a journey through the book of Romans. And so I have just thoroughly enjoyed this. Those of you who are Bible scholars and love to dig deep into the Bible recognize that doing a chapter a week, we have just skimmed through, jumped through the book of Romans all summer long. But we, we've hit a bunch of the high points, and I've just really, really enjoyed it. And this week we are we're wrapping it up, and we broke it up into three series, and you can go back and, and get those online. But this last chunk we've simply called detox. And the reason for that is, is God loves us so much, he connects with us. He's always been present. And we don't have to, to go somewhere else. We don't have to change our position in life to connect with God. He meets us right where we are. But he loves us so much, he does not leave us there. God pursues us. He wants to transform our lives. And because we come to him, In this moment, and we have the mess of life still on us, in us, hanging around us, um, then we need some detox. We need our lives to begin to be transformed. And Romans 12.1 tells us that that transforming takes place with the renewing of our minds. We've said this over and over again. You're not going to change anything about your life until you change the way you think about it. There's nothing is going to change in your life until you change the way you think about it. So we've been purposing to see what God thinks about something. Go ahead and trust him and say, you know what, I may disagree. And there are things that you come at it and you go, God, I disagree. My life experience, all of these different things, I've come to this conclusion. And faith and trust in God says, all right, God, you're smarter. Um, You know more than I do. You love me and therefore I'm going to trust your way over my way. That's any place that there's this point of tension. That's what trusting God boils down to. And so as we've been letting God challenge us and detox us and transform us, beginning in the way we think. And we've been walking through some of this and we've hit some different moments as we go through. And today we're going to hit the moment everybody thought detox would be all about, which would be our regular daily choices. But if we don't get our thinking pattern shifted, we're never going to change this last The rest of it's never going to come in. And we've looked at this concept okay, over the last five five weeks that the magnitude of what God has done for all of us is best revealed by letting him work in each of us. God has done something world-changing in Jesus. It has changed everything. All of a sudden, the, 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 uh, the nature of humanity's connection with God altered forever because of what Jesus has done. That is the good news, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer holding our sins against us. Those things have been dealt with. It changes, it completely changes everything. And the big magnitude of that is best revealed by letting God do this detox work in us. And let him shift the way we think, interact, respond. And ultimately, that's going to be able to be boiled down to one concept called love. And it's not human kind of love. It's God's agape, magnificent, life-transforming love. And as his love works in each of us, it begins to impact all those we meet. That's what makes us living epistles, the Bible says, living letters of God's power and love at work we will let him write in our lives Remember, he takes the wrong and makes it right he rewrites our story he rewrites who we are 
And that begins to be the greatest declaration of who God is and what he's done for humanity. And so we've been tracking through that, and today we're going to spend <clears throat> the, the morning in Romans 16.1. But before we get into Romans 16.1, then I want us to kind of get our mindsets shifted, okay? Because 10 years ago, in fact, June 10 years ago, this summer, a mediocre movie was released. You may have seen this mediocre movie in this movie theater 10 years ago. Starring uh, Adam Sandler and Christopher Walken. So uh, you know it's, uh, it's not an Oscar movie as soon as I say Adam Sandler. So, so you, you know that's not, on the, that's not there. And so and, uh, the, uh, the, this movie starring Adam Sandler and Christopher Walken is a movie called Click. Anybody seen Click? Hey, I got you to admit you sat through that. <laughs> um, and um, you probably did cry, Daniel. And so, anyways, it does have a good, it does have a good heartwarming thing. In fact, the, the, the movie's fairly preachy. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a sermon in and of, its, in and of itself. And if you've not seen the movie, I'll give you a quick synopsis, okay? That, you know, that uh, us guys tend to like remotes, right? We like buttons. And so we like to push things and other things happen so we don't have to get up. And so it's, that's like that. The epitome of technology is to make us move less. And so, uh, anyway, so he has this, comes across this remote that lets him skip the boring parts of life, okay? If his wife is kind of getting on him for not ha- handling something, he can go, boop, fast forward, gets through all of the her yan, 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 yan at him, and moves on to the part that he enjoys, And skips all of the different stuff. The problem is, is this is a smart remote. And it begins to do like your TiVo is supposed to do. Like it's supposed to figure out what you want to watch. Well, this remote figured out what he wants to skip. So it comes to those pieces of his life. And all of a sudden, he didn't really want to skip that one. And he goes, whoop. And it skips it, skips it. And all of a sudden, his life is just moving. And he's missing all of these pieces where life really happens, and he begins to realize it's not about the highlight moments of life. It's about these more boring, be there, savor the moments that really make life up. And he has this this awakening at the end to really enjoy his family and all of those different things because he had a tendency to want to jump over the boring stuff. All right, when you read your Bible... Don't jump over the stuff you think is boring, okay? We're getting in Romans 16, first few verses. This can look like the boring stuff, okay? This looks a whole lot like he's greeting all sorts of people. He's wrapping up the letter, and now he's sending out his greetings, okay? This feels like the genealogies or the begats, you know? This guy begat this guy, begat that guy, begat that guy, or... Or there was the son of, was the son of, was the son of. And so, and those are things you can typically, I know you've done it. We're not going to hold you guilty because I've done it too. That you get to that part of the Bible and you go, I read this when I was 10. I don't need to read this again. And I do want to jump to the meaty stuff. And you jump over all the genealogies and you jump over all that stuff. Okay, we're not going to jump it today because I really think there's some really awesome, valuable stuff in here. And so what it looks like is that he's just greeting a lot of people. He's saying, hey, to a bunch of people we don't know. These people are dead. And he's saying, hey, to them, 
in the Bible. Now, so this got to either somebody forgot to kind of turn off the, like, the little Bible writing part of this, and this kind of got added just because Paul's writing the Bible and doesn't even realize it, and all of a sudden, you know, he throws in all this little gratuitous shout-outs. Or maybe this has some reason here. Maybe there's a reason that this stuff is here. So let's just go ahead. We're going we're gonna to track through. We're going to just drop some, some quick thoughts on you. Romans 16, 1. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Okay? I'm sitting there and I'm going to, he, he wants to, to give her a shout out, recognize what she's done. Okay? And then here in the NIV, a lot of other translations put it servant, but it can go be translated into English both ways. I love that the NIV <coughs> we're looking at today says, a deacon of the church in Sincrea. Okay? First off, I wanted to say, there's this thing floating around out here that somehow that the Bible is this misogynistic, anti-woman book. That somehow that, that the Bible has this deal that it somehow promotes Male and masculinity and male leadership and all this kind of stuff above women. And that somehow women had to go against to get their equal rights. To go against this flow, this historical flow, especially in our Western culture that has been so impacted by the Bible and Christianity. That somehow there's this underlying current that the Bible's the, the, the problem here. And we're going to look at real quick. It's not the problem. In fact, the, in fact, the Bible is one of the more progressive documents on the planet for this thing of equality of the sexes. And if you'll read a few passages wrong, then all of a sudden you'll begin to see this completely out of whack. But here right off the bat, so many times there are different people that think that you know this, this church leadership and whatnot is male-dominated. And it's hilarious to me that the one Sunday we had no females on our worship team is the Sunday I'm going to talk about this. We had a male-dominated Worship team, coast to coast, no estrogen at all. <laughs> and so, but it's just, it's just not the case. So I just want to, I want to point that out to you real quick. He says, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need for you, for she has been the benefactor. You know what a benefactor is? Someone who works for the benefit of others, and typically they dole out some money. So here is this lady who had some resources that she has gone on and she has supported different people in, in taking care of. This is a, a wealthy prosperous, more than likely business of some kind lady. We already know of a lady named Lydia who was a seller of purple cloth. She was a business owner, a woman business owner who was a strong part of helping the gospel go forward. We see a lot of these different things in the gospel. Sadly, hard-headed guys kept things backwards a little longer than they should have been. But the Bible has been a proponent of pushing things forward. And she has been a benefactor of many people, including me, Paul. It says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Oh my goodness, here it comes again. Priscilla is a woman. Most of Priscilla's I meet are. And you know what? Um, this is, Paul is doing something daring here. He names her first. 
That's a married couple. And he names her ahead. This couple is mentioned six times in the New Testament. Half of them, she's first. Half of them, he's first. Here, she's first. Again, coming against this concept that somehow there is this tension and that the, that the Bible is this thing that is somehow oppressive to women. It's just not the case. It says, they risked their lives for me. So here are these people who have, that Paul's given shout outs to all through here, who have let God work in their lives and he's been a beneficiary of it. God has been working, he's been manifesting, this detox thing has happened in their life, and Paul is the one who's getting to be the beneficiary of that. Priscilla and Aquila had risked their lives. Here's another concept we need to recognize. You know, praise God, I'm glad the place I raised my seven children in, that it is not putting our life on the line to get together and worship Jesus. I'm thankful. I'm thankful, but please don't think that that's the way it is everywhere. It is not. We have brothers and sisters in Christ who are gathering on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, and are risking their lives for that. So many times we think that somehow that coming together and being a Christ follower, that that means that all of a sudden everything's going to be peachy and wonderful and, and perfect. And there's this place of tension and there's this place of, of oppression from the enemy and this place of, of attack. And sometimes lives are placed on the line. It says, not only I, but all the churches in the, of the Gentiles are grateful for them, Priscilla and Aquila. Also greet the church that meets at their house. Another crazy concept that we get we could have skipped over. House church? Yes. Yes. We meet, the acts met publicly and house to house. This is pretty dang public. We're in a movie theater. There are people down in the hall watching movies, and we're in here worshiping God. Just right here all together. They come in, and they get our donuts, and that's great. They're for them, too. And so, and uh, those snacks are expensive. I can get the free donut, too. And, um, and so, um, but that's fine. We're in a public place. That's awesome. It's wonderful we have that. That we have that, but there's also this thing. There was a church that met in their house. The, the church is the gathering of the body of Christ. It's not a 501c3. It's not a legal organization. It's not somebody with a paid somebody leading the helm. It is where there is this people coming together. The body of Christ is the church. And the church that meets in their house. Greet my dear friends, <coughs> Pinatus, who was the first convert to the Christ in the province of Asia. So here he is celebrating this guy who made a decision. We ought to be people in our lives who used to not be Christ followers but are now. If everybody came into our life as a Christ follower, we've been isolated and for the word. There ought to be people in our lives that used to not believe the way we do, used to not worship God, used to be on the outside. Greet Mary, another woman, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. Paul had some prison buds. Some of you got some prison friends. Don't raise your hand. You don't have to do that. But you know what, Paul, I understand he's been behind bars. He's been locked up. You don't got to hang your head. Guess what? We're detox. God changes our lives, and that's part of your redemptive story. God is doing something new and fresh in you. Praise God, you're not in jail anymore. 
Praise God, God's given you some influence and change in your life. And Paul was not ashamed to say he spent time in jail. Yes, it was for the gospel. It wasn't for pickpocketing or something like that. But I don't, what, anyways, that was kind of lame, but you know what to get. Um, they're outstanding among the gospels, and they were in Christ before I was Paul references that somebody had a relationship with God before him. Paul had people that he spoke to and, and let lean, that he leaned on. So here's Paul. He's got people who he's led to Christ and he's got people he connects with who've been doing this a lot longer. It's Paul. I think there's some wisdom for us here in the greetings. It's this rich stuff. Jump on down to verse 8. <clears throat> Greet Am- Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Boom, that's it. We don't get anything else. Didn't say put his life on the line. Was a benefactor, a dear friend. You know what? What an amazing ministry to just be a friend. You know how many lonely, hurting people are out there that just need a friend? You know how many lonely, hurting people are sitting right here in this room and in T9 that just need a friend? What an amazing ministry that friendship is. I just putting your arm around somebody and saying, I'll listen. I'll pray. I'll be there. I care. A text to check on somebody and see how they're doing to just be a friend. We sometimes think ministry is this great big thing, but you know what? You can watch beautiful ministry take place in the little friendships that kids make. I watched my, my daughter call and play at Chick-fil-A. Get you some good Christian chicken. And so, as if there's unchristian chicken. So, and, uh, and so, uh, and uh, anyway, so there, she's playing in the little play area. And um, she sits there and she, she knocks her thumb on something. And there's this little girl she just met. Just met. They've been playing, running around. They always make friends in a little Chick-fil-A play deal. And she, and she shows the girl, just showing her because she's a little weepy. And she shows the little girl her thumb. And the little girl looks at it. Never doesn't know my daughter from, just met her. And leans forward and kisses it. And runs off and plays. All of a sudden, that sweet little expression of care. Call is fine. If a three and four year old can minister to one another out of friendship, just caring that we're hurt, just being there, folks, I think we can too. So many times we want to say, Why are you hurt? You hurt yourself. You're going to have to deal with this. Self inflicted pain is somehow justice on the back end. And, folks, we can't do that. We're called to love the hurting wherever they are, whether they've hurt themselves or the others have hurt them or any of that stuff. We have to be able to just be a friend. And this guy was a friend enough to Paul to just say, greet my friend. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ. He had people he linked arms with to get his assignment done. Paul did not do this himself. 
You're called to co-labor with somebody else for the things of the kingdom. The great big dream, and I hope you have one. If not, you hang around here long. I'm going to stir one in you. There's going to be a dream of something that God has called you to do. And you're not called to do it by yourself. There are people you're called to lock arms with and do it together. When we knew that God had called us to do Celebration Church, we're like, God, we can't do this by ourselves. Send us people who will lock arms and co-labor with us and they scurry around and they they make things happen and they meet people at coffee shops and, and they love on people and pray for people all over the place. That's what makes Celebration Church happen. Our co-worker in Christ and my, and my dear friend, two of them, just dear friends, Stackus finds their way into this list. <clears throat> oh my goodness, I am running out of time. Greet Apelles whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Their faithfulness. Faithfulness speaks, people. We have a culture that has given up on the concept of faithfulness. We've given, they've given up the concept of somebody sticking with something long term, sticking with something for the, for the duration. We go, you know what, everything's going to be short. As soon as when it's over, it's over. It's going to be over at some point. When it's over, it's over, and we move on. But this guy had this ministry. He stood the test. He stayed faithful to Christ. And obviously something that was difficult. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. He had a whole family he said hey to. Hey, see everybody in that family. I'm close to all of them. Greet Trophenius and Trophosa. Those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus. Oh, greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who's worked very hard in the Lord. Hey guys, the women are kicking our rears here. (laughs) I'm telling you. We see it. It's made a massive impact in the early church. It worked very hard in the Lord. Apparently all the hard workers were women. Sadly, we don't see a man who has worked hard in the Lord. No, no slamming. This is not Bash Guys Day, okay? Um, and um, but greet, greet Rufus. What a cool name! Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Some of you have an anointing to be a mom, and not just to your own kids, but to anybody that needs a mom. You know, there's an old movie uh, or animated movie a few years back called Mars Needs Moms. Guess what? Earth needs moms. We need moms. Paul needed someone who just came in and was a mom to him. This is a guy who's our hero in the faith, and he needed a mom. And this is who we get a shout-out to. Then we greet Asyncritus. I messed up on that one. Phlegion, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympias, and all who Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. See, all of these people are people who chose life and chose to be a blessing and chose to put others before themselves. Our choices matter. Our choices matter. Does grace 
cover our sin. Yes, praise God. But we've been set on a trajectory to be able to minister grace and healing and change and restoration. Not create more wake and destruction that grace needs to come in and fix. And our choices... Our choices will do one or the other. Our choices will either create more brokenness that needs to come and be ministered to, or our choices will produce healing and wholeness. And we, as God's children, are called to bring His nature into situations. Wisdom about what is good empowers us to make better choices. We bought a motorhome when we were traveling and and um, it, was a, it was a nice motor home. It had all the cool slide outs and slick paint job. It was cool. All sorts of bells and whistles and buttons so I didn't have to move. Good stuff. And, um, and so, and it had this self-leveling system. And so uh, they taught me how to do it. They took, gave me an hour and a half tour of its features. And um, I tried to take good notes. Anyways, I somehow forgot on this one. And I got to our first place we were staying in, and we get to... Uh, we get to Rio Doso, and it's, of course, it's hilly there a little bit, you know, in the mountains. And, and we find the most level place we can, but it's still slanted. And I hit the button for it to level. And it does some stuff, but it's not level. And, man, at the little place where he showed me how to do this, it would just be, like, awesome, perfect. And, and so it, I tried it and tried it and tried it, and it just didn't work. So we spent about four days living in a fun house. Where you're sitting there, you're walking up, and you walk down, do this thing, you set your drink, and it whoosh. goes over there, you have to pin everything against walls, you don't want sliding around. And I was really frustrated, and I was going to have to take it back over to the hill country and say, teach me how to do this. And so finally, I just, I got down, I I called, and uh, they were open, and and I said, man, what's going on here? This isn't working. And he walks me through it. Well, come to find out, had some ignorance didn't know what was going on, it made sense to me you needed to have the motor off when you leveled it. Made sense. It's a big old diesel engine. Turn the thing off. But it runs off of the hydraulic, I mean the air stuff that that compressor does. And so you have to have the engine running. That didn't make sense to me. I said, turn it on. I turned it on, hit the button. Awesome. Level. And we've been living in craziness and and having to to make and compensate. The foundation was off and we had to compensate all week long to be able to deal with this thing simply because I was ignorant. Wisdom comes in and helps us to be able to see life differently. In fact, Hosea 4.6, it's not on your notes or up there, but the word tells us that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. God's people suffer needlessly because we're ignorant. This is needless suffering. It's not some sort of suffering that's supposed to teach us something. Sometimes what suffering teaches us is that we need to learn something and quit being ignorant so that we don't suffer that anymore. And the first thing that our Ignorance always comes in attacks is our image of God, our knowledge of who He is. The enemy always wants to come in and wreck that. So without God begins, the first thing He begins to do in our lives is rebuild that image of who He is. He's a good daddy. He's a good father. So let's look at verse 17. We're gonna, I'm going to wrap this up, I promise. 
says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, watch out for those who cause divisions and obstacles in your way. <clears throat> what they, <clears throat> your way, they are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord <clears throat> Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. There are people that have wrong ideas about God and come in and, and begin to, to take people in, in a wrong direction. <clears throat> and Paul gives us some advice on, on to begin to be discerning and to not stay, to not, to stay away from that mess. It says, everyone who's heard about your obedience, everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil? Why does God want us to be wise about what's good and innocent about what is evil? Why? Because God's wisdom brings healing and the, in, the, the not being innocent, the evil stuff brings destruction. He is building his body to represent him and do his kind of stuff on the planet. It says the God of peace will soon crush Satan, the accuser, which is what Satan means, one who comes in and tries to wreck our image of who we are and who God is, he'll accuse us and accuse God. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. See, this is something that God has been speaking to us for forever. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, This day I call heavens and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. They're right here. Both realities. While we're breathing oxygen, both are there. We can choose life or we can choose death. We can choose blessing or we can choose cursing. It says, now choose life so that you and your children may live. Why? Because choosing life brings life. That's what he wants for us. And then you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice. What happens when we begin to choose life? We hear his voice. We get more wisdom, more discernment, more understanding. We choose life more. And it is this beautiful cycle upward. And we hold fast to him. In this detox thing, I want you to ask God as you come into these different moments. When you feel the Holy Spirit prompt you. Say, God, in this area... What's wise? Just say, what's wise? When it comes to a habit, say, God, what's wise here? When it comes to a reaction to somebody, God, what's, what's wise? What's loving? What reveals you? And I'm telling you, your life, this detox will begin to just work in your life. As you let the love of God and the wisdom of God begin to just work in you. A bunch of the stuff you bet, beat your head on will begin to just begin to melt away as we let the Spirit of God work in our lives. And this last concept is that doing life with others is central to living the best life that God has for you. See, Paul didn't do his ministry alone. In fact, Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. This is before sin enters the, the, the DNA of humanity. This is before we go our own route and all the wheels come off. And, and this is just in, in that beautiful place of perfection. We still were not designed to be alone. It wasn't good for us to be alone. 
And so many times we can get frustrated and want to begin to isolate ourselves. And just like Paul opened up saying hey to everybody who was there, he then closes with saying hey from everybody who was sitting with him. Romans 16.21 says, Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you as does Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, Paul dictated it, Tertius penned it. There are other letters that Paul says, see, this is my handwriting, I'm writing this. Another one he dictates. It says, greet you in the Lord, Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church are enjoying sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works. Here's a public official that is part of the the body of believers. And our brother, Quartus, sends you their greetings. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel. I love that he has the ownership of it. I think you should too. I think you ought to reference it as my gospel. The message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all Gentiles, all people, might come to the obedience that comes through faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Christ Jesus. Amen. Our bottom line today, and I appreciate you giving me a few more extra minutes, is that God's wisdom brings life to our relationships. His wisdom, it brings healing, it brings wholeness, it brings restoration. Let's begin to have our minds think. So many times we want this right and wrong thing. Let's go and say, God, what's wise here? God, what is wise? Show me wisdom show me your love in this place see letting God show himself in you is the best thing that you can do for him